0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. You know, we we think about Paul who wrote so much of the New Testament. And uh, I was flicking through my Bible the other night and I've got a little section in there, obviously. I've been sitting at the feet of Pastor Keith and, you know, I've got so many notes in my Bible from sitting in Pastor Keith's D group. It's awesome. Uh, We're so privileged to have such incredible, incredible senior ministers. Can we just give these guys some honour this morning? They're amazing and they've done the journey. You know, a lot of people fall away. It's a reality. A lot of people fall away, but uh, our pastors have not fallen away. Uh, They have stayed strong, and and they are an absolute spring and and just a fountain of wisdom and experience. And it's funny, you talk about, you know, the 20 years of of leading the church has given you grays. Rach found my first gray the other day. Um, I rebuked it. I rebuked it in Jesus' name. It's not grey. I was under a bad light and we're going, what's the story we're telling ourselves right now? We, oh, we all tell ourselves stories, don't we? Um, but you know, the, the scripture tells us that grey hair is a crown of the wise. And, uh, and I have so many notes in my Bible from Pastor Keith's wisdom. And one of them is, Pastor Keith's obviously at some point talked to us about the kind of what it was that drove Paul's, Paul's preaching. And um, it's interesting, as I flicked back through the scriptures that I had written under, you know, these things shape Paul's preaching, jotted, jotted down the, the, the references to look back on. One of the ones that came up, and honestly, it's, it is, when I first started preaching, it was one of the things that I really desired. And Paul says, you know, it's not by wise words, but it's by a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And, you know, we look at Paul, and, and I don't know if you would classify him as a good preacher, but he certainly knew the power of God. He certainly knew how to release it. And um, I genuinely believe that the one thing that sets our community apart from all sorts of communities in the world is that we have a real, living, breathing, all-powerful God in the midst of us. And if we can release Him, we are giving people an experience and an encounter with something that sets us apart as the church. Um, We need to be okay and we need to be confident about releasing the power of God into people's lives. Uh, I didn't come to preach on that. So we're going to move on. But for those of you who don't know me all that well, uh, my name is Nate and as Pastor Keith said, uh, my wife and I, Rach, we get to uh, have the role of lead pastor in our church and it's awesome. We get to lead the church that is not just in one location but we're spread out across the city. We've got Sunday locations, we've got our our victory centre and that is going from strength to strength and we're seeing so many people come in. Uh, through, say, a playgroup or, or an art express, something like that, and, and translate into um, exploring something of church. Uh, I think there is uh, four or five ladies from playgroup all coming to the women's event. Um, and, and I'm telling you, that little trickle, is, it's going to become a flood. And, and the, the journey from community to our victory center into the house of God is going to be a well-worn path. And I will continue to declare that because it will be so. But we are in an incredible series this morning. And I want to, like Pastor Keith said, I get to wrap that up. And I'm very excited about what God's placed on my heart. So if you can, lean in this morning. Uh, when, when the journey gets a little rough and a little real, uh, lean in. I'll make it more real about myself so you feel comfortable. Um, but I believe it's in the realness that God does his most work. You know, I, I, uh, we, we have to get better at not putting on a pretense before our Father in Heaven. He already knows. He's not there to shame us or expose us, um, but He wants to heal us, um, and we have to be able to be real with Him. So we're going to kick things off this morning uh, where Pastor Keith and Pastor Earl left off last week, um, and that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, and if you... Uh, are visiting with us or you don't have a Bible this morning, it's going to be on your screens. If you are visiting, welcome. Thanks so much for coming this morning. Uh, If you're one of our incredible regulars that calls Northwest your home campus, also thank you for being here. You know, we have a choice every Sunday, uh, whether or not we decide to get up out of bed on this sunny spring morning and be a part of church, but you made that choice, so thank you. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18 in the New Living says, But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. How cool is that? When anyone turns. It doesn't matter how far away you are. The moment you turn, the veil's removed. The barrier is removed. You're, you're immediately connected with Christ. Yeah. Now the Lord is the Spirit and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, He gives freedom. Freedom is a gift. Freedom is not something we work for. Freedom is a gift to us from God. It's awesome. And all have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors. Let's just let's note there that the removal of the veil has a purpose. And the purpose is so we can reflect. The veil isn't just removed for, for, for the veil's sake. The veil is removed with a purpose. So that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of of the Lord. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. Such a great passage of scripture. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you that you're here. I thank you, Father, that you're moving. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're you've got a purpose this morning to bring uh, greater amounts of freedom in our life. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's truth. I thank you that it does separate soul and spirit, bone and marrow. Father, It is. it reads us, Lord, more than we read it. And I pray this morning that as we open it up, you would begin to speak to us. You would help us to move from strength to strength and glory to glory. And uh, Father, we thank you for what you did at our central campus. This morning. Thank you for the people that were responding. Thank you for the lives you were touching, God. And uh, Lord, as we move into uh, our preseason with the Jets, we just lift them up to you. We pray strength, skill, and anointing for goals in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I said at Central earlier, I said, look, as a as community, we, we celebrate with those who celebrate, we grieve with those who grieve, and it wasn't Edgeworth's week last week, all right, but it's okay, they get another shot at the FFA Cup next year, and the Jets roll on, so we can celebrate. It's, it's, sorry if, if my praying for the Jets offends you in church. It's probably something that you're going to need to get comfortable with. Um... I want to tell you a story, because I have had this incredible revelation, and it's completely not spiritual at all. Um, Again, if this offends you, I'm really sorry. Things could get weird this morning. Um, But I've discovered something about my car keys, and and some of you may already know this, in which case, why are you keeping such incredible information to yourselves? Um, Some of you may not know this, and now I get to be the bearer of good news. I have uh, one set of keys which um, is uh, a keyless entry key. I have another set of keys that really is, is a wannabe keyless entry key uh, because when it's not in operation, it tucks itself away. Uh, and then, But I press it and the key pops out and it's still a key-driven car. So, you know, it's a little bit in transition itself. But my keyless, my keyless entry key, I always had a bit of an issue uh, because I like to go to the beach. I was there this morning and it's just my, my place that I hang out with God and sunbake and go swimming but I always had an issue when when in summer I would go to the beach in my car with keyless entry and knew I was going swimming I'm like what do I do with my key right and so previous to this incredible revelation, I would turn into MacGyver and I would be like ratcheting the, the, the cover off of the car's tyre hub. I don't do cars, so all this language is going to be very colloquial. Uh, and I'm like tucking it in behind this and I'm like trying to find little crevices that I can tuck it up onto. And, and if you ever need a, a, get, a getaway vehicle at the beach, uh, the front driver's side tyre just behind us, where everyone hides their keys. So, you know, just that's a free one for you. Um. Anyway, somebody showed me the other day this incredible thing about my keyless entry key and that is that if you press a little button on it there's a sneaky actual key hidden inside Did anybody know? See, we have someone hanging on to (laughs) priceless information in our community. I did not know this. This, It actually blew my mind. I sat down for like 20 minutes and I just pressed it and pulled the key out. And I'm like, no way. No way. I didn't know this existed. It's changing my world. Um, Because now I can leave the digital can't get wet keyless part in my car with my house keys not being afraid that when I go swimming someone's taking my computer and I can freely go swimming with the secret key on the inside and I'm a happy man, right? So feel free to enjoy my revelation um, as your own. (laughs) I had, this, I had a similar encounter when I realised that on the dashboard where the petrol thing is and the little petrol tank and there's the arrow to tell you what side of it. Oh, that totally changed my world. I heard it on a podcast one day and I was like, I verbally, I was like, shut up. No way. Look, there it is. Yes, um, I used to wind down the window and be like, oh, no, I can't see. It must be the other side. Anyway, little things that change the world, right? Uh, the reality is, well, I share this story, right, not, not just to get it off my chest, but I share it because I actually think that, uh, that, that, under, that idea where we, we, we think we understand our key, but we're not actually using it to its fullness is very similar to this thing about freedom, Right, we, we think we get it, but often we don't use it to its full expression, and we don't always walk in the fullness of freedom. Like, we, I, didn't even, I didn't always use my keys to the fullness of their capacity, we don't always walk in the fullness of freedom. And I think part of that is because we actually don't always acknowledge or understand what the purpose of freedom really is. Um, you know, we know scriptures that say, it is for freedom that you have been set free. Um, that doesn't help me a lot at all because it uses the word I'm trying to understand as the word that is trying to understand it. Uh, it's like That's like when I used to teach and I'd be like, give me the definition for this and they would use that word to define it. And I'm like, no, that you can't do that. That's not a definition. You're using the same word again. Right. So I want to unpack, if I can, this morning uh, to try to help us get a grasp on what is the purpose of our freedom. We know for a lot of us, we've been set free. There's this, there's this incredible encounter with grace and forgiveness, this new nature, and and, and and we've got this freedom, but what is its purpose? And the reality is that very simply, the purpose of freedom is to be like His Son. Right. It is actually that we would, over time, slowly, progressively, become conformed to the image of Christ, that we would become like Jesus. That is the purpose of our freedom. It is to be recreated back into original state. You see, um, we, we were created, we were in the garden, we were put together in dirt, we were breathed into, we were a people in the image of God. Scripture tells us that we were created in his image, in his image we were created. And it began with Adam, made in the image of God, but that image tarnished and lost through sin in the garden of Eden. And so what we needed was a new Adam. We needed a new firstborn, one whose new nature we could receive to become the new people of God that he desired from the moment of creation. You see, because since Adam, when we have been born, we have been born with the old tarnished nature. There was nothing we could do about it. It's just what happened. It was passed on. You can talk about DNA. You can talk about nurture or nature. The reality is when we were born, we had a nature inclined towards sin. Okay, And so what we needed was we needed a new firstborn firstborn, that we could be born into that family so that there was the opportunity to get a new nature. And so through the cross and the resurrection, Jesus became the firstborn of the new creation. And now for those of us who have believed in Christ and confessed him as Lord, it says we have been born again. We've had a second birth. It's a birth of nature and of spirit, not of body, because that would be weird, okay? But, but we have been born now, given, we've been adopted and given a new nature. And actually, Scripture tells us we have become siblings with Christ. We have become his brothers and his sisters, one of God's new people, with the purpose of allowing the new nature to come from within us as the Holy Spirit helps transform us into his likeness from the inside out. He does this until we live and love like Jesus, who is the glory of God. You see, His glory is His character. It's His power. It's His authority in its expression. So it's those things being expressed is the glory of God, seen in the fullness of Jesus because it was given to Him now it is implanted in us in the form of a new nature within us. And it is seen through us as we allow ourselves to be conformed to the image of Christ, yeah. thus expressing that, that very same glory. Now, I say all of that, in case you haven't been to church in, 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 in like the last few weeks and you missed kind of the whole freedom topic, but also because I wanted to set a platform to ask why is it then... If all of this has happened, if everything that needed to be done so that we could receive the fullness of freedom, if if all of that has been done, why is it that we seem to struggle to walk in the fullness of the freedom that's been purchased for us? I would like to propose that it is because in the many areas of our life currently under transformation, we get stuck. We get stuck or we stop at one of a number of doorways which I believe exist on the pathway of freedom. You see, if you've been in our incredible church for any length of significant time, you would know we have talked a lot from time to time about, process, about freedom not being a moment, but a process. We understand and we've got that. We're like, yep, cool. I don't necessarily um, have to have all of these singular moments. What I need to know is that God is working in me, transforming me. I'm on a journey. I'm not who I used to be. Thank God I'm not who I used to be. I might not be who I want to be, but I'm on a process, right? So we've got that. We're on process. However, we're not living in the fullness of freedom. And for me... We can be at different degrees of transformation in different areas of our life, right? Some, some areas are like, whoa I'm nothing like I used to be. And then there's other areas in our world where I'm like, I haven't changed at all, right? Like I am, I am exactly the way I walked into church, praise Jesus. And um, if any of you knew, uh, it's all good, right? You're going to need to be real with me this morning, all right? This message is a message that's going to dig down into our humanity, and, and, and you need to be comfortable with me being a real human being this morning. Um, I'm not perfect. If you're expecting perfection from the lead pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, God's done a great work, but there's, there's still work happening. The reality is that we translate things of Scripture, and we take them, and then we, we think about them in, in what we're used to right so we understand that scripture presents a a process to freedom and so we go well i know process Process is I start here and I finish down there. Process is there's this this series of steps I take and when I finish those steps, I'm complete. That's how we understand process, right? Men, not so much because we don't like instructions, right? So so we get rid of those out of the flat pack and we make our own journey, okay? Uh, And it looks right at the end. It might not be as strong, but it looks right. And and so we get a tick, yep, nailed it. Uh, But there are instructions and instructions teach us that there is a start and a finish and there's a sequential order that we need to go in. And so we misunderstand process. You see, process in Scripture is not a straight line. Process in Scripture is not linear. We don't start here, walk along here and go, "Woohoo! I'm free, I made it. It doesn't work like that. Okay, freedom, the process of freedom, best way I can describe it is it's more like a spiral. It's more like we're going around and and however you wish to, to view the spiral, we can be spiraling like downwards, or we can be spiraling upwards, okay? And so when it seems actually like we are going around something time and time again, the reality is it's because we are going through the same doors related to an aspect of our being time and time again. We shouldn't get discouraged about that. We should recognize that actually that's part of the process. The part of the process, and because we're going around and around, we're actually either dealing with it from a deeper level... Or God's trying to give us a higher perspective on who we are. It's not that we're not moving. We're just moving deeper or we're moving higher. Okay, And so the reality is that these doors we're about to talk about are doors we move through time and time and time again. Okay, Don't think, oh, well, I went through the door once and have this poor expectation that I'm never going to hit that door again. And so when you do hit that door again, the enemy whispers in your mind, see, you were never free. Because that's a lie that will keep you bound to the start point without you realizing, well, actually, what that really means is I've done a full cycle. I'm a whole cycle around from where I was. I'm either a whole lot deeper, I'm a whole lot higher. But I know one thing, devil, it's not that I'm not free, because that's signed, sealed, and delivered in the Word of God. Well, what that means is I've actually moved forward. So sucked in, you're not getting that lie up in here, all right? I've moved forward, all right? Come on. so let's talk about the doors. Door number one, okay, door number one is receive. Door number one is receive. Some of us have areas in our lives in which we are not seeing freedom because we actually have not received and applied the truth of God. We actually haven't applied what scripture says to our life, okay? Romans 8, 29 to 30 says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What I don't see in that scripture is this this sense that I need to grasp. I do not need to go and get something, it's been given to me. And I made this little little present this morning, right, representing a gift, and on it we have the things that God has already given to us, okay, this gift is ours, it's just whether or not we choose to receive it relates to whether or not we'll apply it, okay. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a gift come in that, that you're not sure like how to use, and so it sits on the shelf for ages, and you're like, and then, and then when someone shows you how to use it, it's like mind-blowing. It's a little bit like me suddenly finding out about my key. I suddenly found out how to use it properly. I'm like, this is awesome. But the reality is that, that you have been called, chosen, given right, given, given, where are we? Right standing and glory, and it's all been given to you. You don't need to do anything except receive it. Gift of salvation, we receive it. It's, everything's been done for us. And for some of us, we actually just need to physically, tangibly receive the gift. Can I tell you how it works in my life? Okay, let's get real. I have a series of thoughts that go through my head about something, particular person, situation, whatever it is. Okay. And I, I have to actually stop myself. I have an internal dialogue that goes something like this. Nate, shut up. Stop thinking those thoughts. That is the old you. That is the old you. That, that's actually not who you are anymore. You are actually a new creation. You have actually received a new nature, Nate. So, so the reality is that you don't have to think like this anymore because you have a new nature. Now, some of you are looking at me like you think I'm weird because I'm talking to myself, but some of you need to get better at talking to yourself because the words that we say have creation power. And when we tell them to ourselves, they begin to create the reality in our thinking. And so instead of believing the lies in our mind about who we are, we have to implant the truth of God, about who we are, and the reality is you are a new creation. So you are now no longer have any obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. No, instead, you remind yourself, hang on a second, I'm dead to that. That's been severed. There's no life source connected to that nature. There might be still some stuff floating around in there, but it's not connected to anything anymore. My old nature has been crucified with Christ. I'm a new creation. I have new desires. Therefore, I can think differently about this. It's in there somewhere. I've got to find it. I've got to connect myself to it. But in there is a new nature. In there is a new way of being able to think about that situation, person, whatever it is. I just have to apply some truth. I just have to get the fact that I am called, chosen. I've got right standing. I've been given glory. I'm a new, born again person and tell myself that until it shifts. That's Honestly, that's what it looks like in my world. And unfortunately, we often hold, sometimes unknowingly, most of the time unintentionally, we hold on to a lie, believing that we are like this or like that, believing that we were born this way, right? Thanks, Lady Gaga. We are telling ourselves without realizing it, we're declaring, no, 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 this is my nature, as opposed to what truth says, where it says you have a new nature. And we need to be okay with the fact that we may not understand our new nature, and that's cool. Because the start point is believing we've got one. Okay, Romans six eleven tells us it says so. You should consider yourselves dead to sin and able to live for the glory of God. So often, I, I, I'll put this on me. I live my life unaware or unbelieving that I'm actually even able to live for the glory of God in certain situations and circumstances. And we need to get in our minds. Hang on a second. I'm not. I'm not dis able to do this. I'm able to do this. I am able to live for the glory of God. What has been, what's required has been done and now I have an ability that I didn't know I had. So question, do you consider yourself able to live free so God's glory can be seen? Because he's done everything that's required. You just need to receive the gift. So for some of you this is your door this morning. Second door is a door called conform. It's a door called conform. And I think for some of us, we have areas that we know we have a new nature. And so to some degree, we feel free. We don't feel bound up to it. But we're also not really sure we've moved on from it. And something within us doesn't actually want to conform to the image of Christ. I told you we'd get real, right? Like, I like being bitter towards that person. I feel justified in my current state right now. I don't want, I, sometimes I actually really like having a pity party. I do. Uh, I have a melancholic personality and sometimes I wallow really well. My wife will tell you, I can wallow for a whole week and get myself in a real funky state and I like it. Sometimes I don't think they deserve forgiveness. No, I don't want to be like Jesus towards that person I don't want to forgive and I don't want to be merciful I want revenge particularly when people cut in front of me in traffic that's, that's, a, that's a catalyst right there Woo. I don't want to let it go I want to hang on to stuff because it makes me feel good I don't want to be generous all the time, and I definitely don't want to go the extra mile. I like to be selfish, self-centered, and I care about myself. I want to be envious and jealous. And often, I will live with an attitude that says, what about me? I get the spirit of Shannon Noel all like rising up in me, and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to sing it. It's all right. Right? And I want to be like, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. And it's interesting, right? So my mum, my mum gave me a birthday card on my 18th birthday. School practice, parents give birthday cards. And I'm pretty sure she wrote happy birthday somewhere in the card. Okay, I'm just gonna say that because my mum's fantastic, amazing, and wouldn't want you to think she didn't do that. But she did write something that went like this: Nate, now that you're 18, I want to let you know some life truths. Now, we didn't have a really easy life growing up, okay? Um, But mum felt that turning 18 was a point in which these things need to be laid out nice and clear. And I don't really remember all of them. I just remember the first one. And the first one is like, Nate, here's some life truths. Number one, life's not fair. Life's not fair. (laughs) And I think sometimes because... We fail to recognize that we still live in this world and therefore unfair things happen and, and whatever. We take that and we put it on God and we're like, well, well, I'm going to change my view of who my God is because of what my life is experiencing right now. Instead of taking what the word of God says, which is that Jesus is the same yesterday and forever, today and forever, that God doesn't change, that he's faithful and he's good. We go, well, my life's not good, my life's not fair, this happened to me and not to them. And we get all like that up in our our thinking and and our internal speech is like, "Mm -hmm." okay, that's just me, that's fine. Um, Feel free not to agree, leave me up here by myself, all right? But the reality is that sometimes life's not fair and that's not an indication of God's character. That's an indication of the world we live in and we need to take God's character and we need to bring God's character into our situation so we can move through our situation rather than letting our situation define how we're going to think and believe about the God that we say lives. You see, uh, Galatians 5.17 says the old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is actually just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. Every generation that I can think of has produced these non-conformist subcultures right? Like I grew up in one, it's it's just rage against the establishment, right? Like, you know, stick it to the man. Um, Because as humans, we actually don't like the idea of conformity. Our nature, this human nature that we have, disagrees with being told we should be like this. And we immediately rear up and go, well, if you want me to be like that, I'm going to be like this over here just to show you that I can um, and I was having a great chat with Pastor Keith about this week. He was talking to me about the hippie movement and, um, you know, just, just because they could, right? Yeah. Uh, but the reality is that conformity to Christ is a choice and it always has been. It always has been. Ever since the Garden of Eden, there has been a choice to, to, to move into obedience with what God has instructed and, and given us guidance on or to not, Or to not. There is always a choice, right? Romans 6, 9 says, Before you let yourselves be slaves of impurity and lawlessness, but now you must choose to be slaves of righteousness so that you will become holy. You must choose so you can become. Oh choice is such choice to conform is such a door we don't like to pass through. We don't like that because that's that's where the reality of our relationship with God hits the road, right? That that that's where we actually have to get real with God because we still have desires within us that aren't in line with his spirit. We still have this battle within us, we still have this 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 kind of fight from side to side. And this is where we, if, we don't, if we don't have the revelation of our right standing, the gift from God, if we, if we can't bring our, our real struggle to God because we feel disqualified or, or we feel somehow locked out of his presence or, 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 or like if, if we be too real with God, he's going he's to shame us and expose us and you know, if, if we don't understand that, that our sin is as far as the east is from the west, right. even, if, even if we did it this morning, it's already gone. If we don't if we don't understand that, that Christ took our sin on the cross and gave us his righteousness, that when God looks at us looks at us, he sees right, he sees perfected, he sees good, he doesn't see if we don't understand that gift, we will not move boldly into the throne room of God, the very place where we can begin to deal with the actual battle we have going on inside of us. And so what we do is is we stay in a place of pretense before God. And we're like, well, because I don't feel like I can be real with you, I'm going to pretend I don't have anything going on. I'm going to pretend that I don't still feel like I want to, I want to, I want to do things that I shouldn't over there. I'm going to pretend that because, because I don't feel like I can be real with God because I feel either ashamed or like somehow he's going to like you know, fire from heaven on, on, on me and, and all those sorts of things. And the reality is we have got to get comfortable with authenticity in our relationship right. with God. We, we have to. We, is, uh, for me, this is where religiosity, the last remnants of that has to leave our approach to God. It just rubs up against our reality and, and, and we either be real or we stay rigid and we don't move forward in, in our journey of freedom. We have to get used to praying prayers that sound like this. God, I don't want to forgive them. But I know your word says you've set me free so I can express your glory. Help me to want to forgive them. Help me to choose to develop the desires of my new nature. We have got to get comfortable with a prayer life that sounds like that. We have to get comfortable with a prayer life that is real and authentic and just ourselves exposed before God who already knows, by the way, he already knows. He knows what's behind your mask. He knows what's behind your pretense, but he, he's polite and he won't deal with it and he won't help you deal with it until you're willing to bring it to him and go, you know what, God, I got this stuff going on and it's real. And, 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 and you know what? Truth be told, I like it. I like some of it. And I don't know what to do with that, God, but I know that you've set me free to have this new nature and I really need you to do a work in there. Door three. We're going to land. We're going to land the plane. We express or we reflect that which we are conforming towards. You see, when we conform towards that which we choose to gaze at, seeing a reflection is actually a byproduct of gazing at a mirror. Did you know that? Um, this is the way light works. That it's when we look at it that we see the reflection. Okay? Some of us feel stuck, but really, if we're honest, we've just stopped gazing at the right mirror. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I might, I might get Todd and Tim, if you guys can jump up and Jed, that would be awesome. You see, the truth of our existence, particularly if we're in this room and, and we have uh, accepted Jesus Christ, so we believe in Him, confess with our mouths He's, he's Lord, We define it as being a Christian. If that's us in this room, the reality is we now live with two mirrors. We live a life with two mirrors. We have a mirror that is the world, and we have a mirror that is the word. And whichever one we choose to gaze into, we will slowly conform towards. James tells us in chapter 1 that... For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, I I love that phrase, it's awesome, and continues in it, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, this one will be blessed. We've got do not be conformed to the world. Be conformed to the word. We've got this juxtaposition, this expression of the two mirrors that we can look at and begin to reflect. And it's it's, it's our choice which one we're going to look at. It's our choice which one we're going to stare into. It's our choice. Which one we're going to gaze at and allow to change us and shape us? We can look at the world and it will tell us how to think. It will tell us how to act. It will tell us what is right. It will tell us how to respond. It will tell us how to feel, and we will conform the way we think to a, to, to to what it tells us. We would if we just look at it long enough. If we if we allow it to speak to us, it will. Or we can look at the word, and we can allow the word to shape how we think. We can allow the word to tell us how we should act, even if even if it seems a long way from we are, from where we are. We 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 stand on it as the truth and we go I'm going to let that be my marker I'm going to let that be what, what I should be like and, and, and slowly as we gaze into the word it says we will conform we will conform some of us stop short of expressing because we stop gazing into the perfect law of liberty we begin to allow our eyes ever so slowly to be recaptured by the mirror of the world and can I tell you this is not this is, this is all of us it's all of us and it happens in certain areas of our life all the time. It's not something we should be ashamed about or feel guilty about. But we do need to recognize it so that we can bring it back to God. We need to recognize those moments where it's like, hey God, I'll be honest, right now, I've, 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 I've let my eyes move to something of the world. I've allowed it to begin to speak to me and tell me, hey, that is how you should think. You are justified in thinking like that. And, and I, I just, I need to bring that to you, God, because I know it's not right. You know what? God has his arms wide open. It's like, come here, my boy. Come here. I love you. I have my affections towards you. I've been thinking about you all day. You don't even realise. I just want to let me let me help you there. We only express that which is an established mindset and thought pattern. We cannot function contrary to our thoughts and our subconscious positions. That's why Paul highlights that the areas of transformation is always rooted in our thinking, which is fueled by the mirrors we choose to gaze into and the truth that we actively seek to apply. So Galatians 5.13 says this. This is, for you have been called to live in freedom. That is not up for discussion. You have been called to live in freedom. Without saying it, there's a choice whether you will or not, but he just reminds you, hey, your freedom isn't to satisfy your sinful nature. Your freedom is to serve one another in love. Your freedom is to be more like Jesus. Your freedom has an end point, And that end point is that you look, live, love like Jesus did. And I tell you, it doesn't matter what door you're stuck at this morning, whether it's you just need to reapply the gift, you need to take it again and go, Actually, I just need, I just need, I just need to take that and I just need to apply that. And it's going to move me right along. Or well, maybe, maybe, truth be told, you're like, you know what? I am stuck at that conformity door. I don't want to conform, and I like the idea of conformity. I'm really struggling because I really like being like this, and I don't know how to let that go. Or well, maybe you're at the last door where you're like, you know what? Truth be told, uh, I've been staring at the wrong mirror. I've been letting, letting the world just tell me how to think, how to react, how to feel, and, and, and I need to come back in a moment. We're going we're to sing a song. I'm going to open up this altar and you want to know what the key to each of those doors is? It's surrender. The key to each of those doors is surrender. We don't pretend. We don't want to conform. We surrender the fact that we don't want to, to a loving God, asking for our help, asking for his help, asking for his spirit. So this morning, I want to let it be real clear. If you're responding, it's an act of surrender. You're bringing something and you're surrendering it to God again. This area in my life, God, I, just, I need to surrender it. I need to surrender I need to surrender back to the Word. So as we begin to sing this morning, I want you to move down the front. If you need prayer, just indicate when you get down here, one of the team will come and pray for you. But why don't you make a choice this morning to move forward in your freedom. Make a choice to surrender, to be real before God and take that step. Thanks, church.
1: Just to, uh, just pause for a minute, close your eyes for a minute. Decades ago, the ultra call would be something like this. You've been worldly. We're automatically feeling shameful and dirty. And so what we've done, we've inadvertently swung too far the other way and thought that grace never addresses these kind of things. And Paul said, should we go on living like the world so that grace and sin increases. He said, God forbid. I think we need to get this back to where it needs to be without shame, but yet surrender. Um, I I think Pastor Knight was being very transparent, but I think a lot of us could stand here and say, I have let my thoughts be conformed to the world. Do you know that's where sin starts? Sin doesn't start with what you do. It starts with what you think. It says in James 1, 15, when lust is conceived. You know what lust is? It is wrong, shameful thinking. That's what it is. When lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. When sin is finished, it ends up killing you. The great thing there about that process is you can stop it. And it's times like this that there is an altar where there is grace. You say, oh, I can do that when I get home. Yes, you can, but you probably won't, because you'll get a thousand distractions between here and home, because the enemy doesn't want you to stop, and he will bring every kind of thing up to distract you, to tempt you, to talk you out of this. And I just want to say for the next few minutes, make this your altar. You know, Paul said, I I beg you, I I urge you, to present yourselves as living sacrifices. You know what that means? Come to the altar, get clean. Get clean. He said that when he said, don't conform any longer to the world. Don't let it tell you how you should be. I just want to sing this one more time. Forget about the shame. Forget about the guilt. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You're not coming down here because you're condemned. You're coming down here because you say, God, I just need to be washed And I'm going to take this opportunity before it gets away from me for you to wash me with the word. So as we sing this again, look, forget about embarrassment. Forget about pride. Forget about shame. Wrong thinking, it's going to lead to wrong living. So why don't you just avail yourself of this altar? This is an altar right now where the blood of Christ is so freely flowing and he washes us with the water of his word. So as we sing, come on, lose your pride. Lose your guilt. Come down and be clean.
0: Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.